Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to join us for tonight's program. And so when life reaches that point when it's just all too hard and all too much, God's there to help. This is kingdom living. Have you ever wondered why Christians are a bit different to other people and how it is that they think the way they do? When one enters the kingdom of God, one does not live in isolation, but soon discovers that they're mixing it with a whole lot of others who are not necessarily people they would have previously mixed with. So how do all of these new relationships work? The answer is by applying kingdom principles, and Jesus laid them out fairly clearly. Tonight, as we join Dr. Corbett, we learn about the ethics of the kingdom of God. I'm continuing in the Kingdom of God series and I've got three audiences today and these aren't my normal three audiences. My first audience is for budding preachers and I want to talk to you if you're a budding preacher and you may be watching via live stream, you may be in this room right now, you may be a girl or you may be a boy, you may be a young man, you may be an older man, you may be a young woman or you may be an older woman. God can use anyone to preach and I want to talk to you and I want to help you to understand why preaching is so important. Paul says to the Thessalonians that Satan hindered him from preaching so that people could be saved. Preaching is really, really important. It advances the grace of God And it spreads the word of God like nothing other. My second audience is you, our congregation, because I want to pass to you. So I want to sow something into preachers, which I'll mention in a moment. And then I want to pass to you. And what I mean by that is I don't want to entertain you. This is not a show. We're not trying to be as slick and as polished as we could be although we do want to do things well so we don't want to be sloppy we don't want to waste your time we don't want to look like we're completely unprepared and unable to be trustworthy with your time and then the third audience I have is for those who are as I described Tom Holland the British historian, who describes himself as someone who's out in the cold on a cold, snowy night. And on a cold, snowy night, he's longing to get warm. And there's nowhere to get warm. And he sees an open window, the curtains open at least, where in there there is a fireplace and the fire's warm and there are people gathered around the fire laughing and enjoying each other's company And as Tom Holland described, that's how he feels about his spiritual condition, longing to become a Christian and yet having what he calls intellectual objections that he can't can't equate the truth with what Christianity claims. And that's an ongoing conversation we're having with Mr. Holland at the moment. And for those people who feel like that, I want to talk to you as well and I want to give you 
a roadmap because sometimes you get so lost in life you don't know what your next step is and I want to give you your next step. So that's my, that's my three audiences. This morning as I talk about the kingdom of God, the key verse that I want to bring out and I'm mindful of, if you get to talk with Lydia, you'll, you'll get to hear her talk about some of the negative experiences she's had in church where I, we use the word legalism, but it becomes almost an oppressive thing. And I'm sure if you talk with her, you'll realise just how distorted sometimes Christianity can be presented. Maybe you've already experienced that. So, my three audiences, budding preachers, you, I want to disciple you, which means I want to take you wherever you're at right now. And I want to make clear the way so that you know the next step you, you can take, not that you should take, you can take, to come closer to Christ and his purpose for your life. And then for those who want that life that we're talking about. So I need to do something, and this is what I need to say right now to budding preachers. There's several types of ways to preach. In fact, I've listed five, five common ways to preach. One of them I've never done here as a preacher. The other four I have, and one of them I'm doing right now. But I need you to understand this. When we talk about what we preach, it's called a sermon. It's designed to have the text of Scripture, the explanation of Scripture, and the application of Scripture. That's it. Every time I preach, I'm, that is exactly what I'm doing. If you want to listen a bit more closely, you'll hear that's exactly what I'm doing. So I heard one professor of preaching describe that as taking the silver hammer. Silver speaks of redemption in the Bible. Whenever you tap the Scripture as a preacher, it falls into three parts, and they're the three parts. What it says, what it means and why it's relevant, how it applies. So topical preaching is to take a topic. That's what I'm doing now, kingdom of God. Another type of preaching is called exegetical preaching. To exegete a scripture, it could be a verse or two or a passage. Scripture is not actually written in verses apart from the book of Proverbs. It's written in thoughts. And those thoughts, you may have noticed in your Bible, are delineated. I've got mine open to Proverbs right now, but it's normally delineated by indenting the first line and the, and the publishers will show you this is where a, a thought begins. We call them in English paragraphs. So to exegete means ex, export, get out of the text. So if you're a preacher, you need to know how to do that. If you're a student of the Bible, you need to know how to do that. It starts by asking those first two questions. What does the text actually say? Which may not be as easy as you think, because oftentimes we read into scripture what we think it says. And the second thing is to look over the shoulder of the original reader and ask this question, what did they see? How did they hear that? That's exegeting scripture. Then when we, do, when we answer those two questions, we then have to do the third thing and go, now how does that change the way I live and follow Christ? What's the application of that? That's exegeting. The third type of sermon is expository. Anyone heard these terms? Rather than taking a verse or a passage, you could, especially if you only get one go in every couple of months, you could do expository preaching. You could do it this way. 
but it's reading and explaining a verse in the context and the flow of the thought. So you're, take, you're going from here and then you're, un, you're unpacking the whole thought. Expository preaching is doing that. Now, one of the advantages of being a senior pastor, and if you were, if you were present in Werribee Assembly of God when I preached my first public sermon, you would go, oh, oh, good grief. Oh, good grief, he's got no hope. <laughs> no clue and no hope. And the reason you would think that, and, and I'm not trying to be, you know, putting myself down, I'm just giving you an honest appraisal of how embarrassed I am about that first message. And, and when, when people come up, and you know, it's nice when people come up and go, oh, that was wonderful, that was great. When people come up and go, that was, um... oh, is that the time? <laughs> It was bad. I know it was bad. Even my wife, who's not, no, she said it was bad. It was just, and one of the reasons was I tried to say too much and I tried to do it too well and I tried to go too hard and I tried to sound too smart and I botched the whole thing up. You ever done that, Blair? You have? Okay, I don't feel so bad. No, I do. It was shocking. So one of the advantages of being a senior pastor is you don't have to do that. You can actually go through scripture and you can give a bit and do the three things. What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? And then you come back next week. And one of the really cool things in having multiple services where I've done multiple services in in other churches is you can say it. And then at the end of it, you go, oh, man, I didn't get, oh, damn. But in half an hour, I'm getting another go. And so you can fix it. That's really cool. But we don't do multiple services here. And I, if you've been tracking with me for a little while, you know I've never preached the same sermon twice in this church. But one of the things I do is an expository sermon can be either a serial or a series. A serial or a series. Now, there are shows on TV that are a series. Every week it's a new episode. Anyone ever, this is for people over a certain age, but anyone remember Detective Columbo? Okay, three people. (laughs) After a while you realise they're writing to a pattern. Like the patterns are the same. Every week it's the same. It's just a different murder. He was a homicide detective. It's a different murder. It's a different thing. But basically it's the same. There's a dead body. Columbo comes in. I'm not going to ruffle my hair. But he, his hair was dishevelled. He comes in. His jacket's sort of half hanging off. He's got one of those things. He's got a half-smoked cigar that's not lit. He comes up. There's the murderer, Marco. Not surprising to anyone. (laughs) And there's the dead body and Columbo goes, it's a dead body. Uh, So what can you tell me about this? And Marco says, I didn't do it. Which is always a clue, guilty of sin. Anyway, says, uh, yeah, I just came in. I was playing croquet with Therese and uh, I've just got here and I found the dead body. And Columbo would go, Okay, walk away and then go, I've just got one question. If you're playing croquet, why is there blood on your hands? 
Oh, I've just been cutting meat. Oh, of course. And off he'd go. Anyway, and that's how he... That, and, and, and at the end, he'd, he'd, he'd convict him, put him in jail. But at the end of the Colombo episode, he and the murderer would be best friends. Because he, he just, just was so likeable. And every episode was the same. That's a series, but it's not a serial. A serial, you know the difference. A serial is where... And then suddenly... We'll be back next week to find out what happened. That's a, that's a serial. If you're reading scripture and if you're reading along with me in the daily Bible reading, you'll notice that much of scripture, like 80% of scripture is serial. And it will do exactly the same thing. And you know whenever you're watching a, a serial on TV, the very first minute or so is they do this. Recap. Why? Because you may have missed last week's episode. You may have missed it. So you're gonna, we're going to recap. We're going to bring you up to speed. And then the fifth type of sermon, which I've never done, is a narrative sermon where the preacher actually becomes the character. Now I've seen it done. And when I saw it done, I thought, oh, I'm never going to do that. Because you've got to be a really good actor. You've got to put on different voices. Although I can do a French accent, but I can't do... I can't do, I can't do voice range like you need to do for an actor. And we, I saw one preacher. He came. He was a guest preacher. He came and he said, where do I get changed? And I thought, changed for what? He said, I've got to get changed into my sermon costume. <laughs> you have a sermon costume? You know, I have a sermon costume. Where do I get changed? Well, where we normally take guest preachers to get changed into their sermon costume is um, over there, you know, like get changed. It wasn't here, it was in, in Melbourne. And he came out looking like a Hebrew shepherd. And he had the crook and he had everything you would expect, sand, leather sandal, he looked like a shepherd. And then he starts off his sermon like this. I was out the other night and we saw this bright star, me and the boys, we saw this bright and on he goes into his sermon. No, I've never done that. And for that, you can be very grateful. That is... <laughs> that's the five types of sermons that could be done. And right now, I just want to let the budding preachers know they're your options. And you might want to practice and start developing that. So as we're looking at the kingdom of God, I want to recap. So you should know every time I preach, I'm either preaching in serial or series and every time I preach I'm going to recap and there's a reason why I'm going to recap and the reason is this every teacher and that we've got a few of them in this church every teacher will tell you that learning happens by what's the mother of learning repetition is the mother of learning you need to hear it you need to hear it you need to hear it remember when we talked about in the last week leading up to and around Easter this year we talked about the last week of Christ we saw Christ told his disciples Six times, minimum six times from Caesarea Philippi, the same thing. And each time, they didn't get it. So I want you to get why this is so important for us as a church. So now let me talk to my second and third audiences. The kingdom of God is referred to in the Gospel of Matthew as the kingdom of heaven. And if you've been listening, you'll know why. Because Matthew is a Jew... He's writing to Jews. Jews did not use the name of God. Even today, if you see a Jew tweet 
and they want to refer to God, they'll go blank, 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 or they'll go G, blank, D. And they still do it because they won't take the name, they won't use the name God, although God actually isn't his name. But they won't, out of reverence for God, they'll refer, they'll interchange the word heaven. So Matthew has Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven and he's being mindful of his Jewish audience. And that's why. So that's why I've got heaven in the apostrophes there. It was the predominant and central theme of Christ's teaching. Now I want you to also understand this. The buzz thing at the time Christ came. If we were to look over the shoulders of the original readers of the Gospel of Matthew say and we were to sort of go back in a time machine and go, what was the predominant issue? I mean, clearly right now, the predominant issue is how the heck do we get through this COVID thing? And it's easy for us here in Tasmania because we're blessed like no one else in Australia. Talking with my daughter Zoe, who I said, sweetie, it's easy to cope with COVID. She's in Melbourne. It's easy to cope with COVID. You know, we go out, we, you know, we, go, we play tennis, we, do, we go to the shop, we do whatever because we've got almost, almost no restrictions now, almost. And she said, Dad, I've been in lockdown for five months. One stage or another of lockdown for five months. That's what you could have been having, Laura. Except your parents had the foresight to bring you back. We had Zoe here at the same time you were here, I think, and then... Her employer said, we need you back. And so she, they flew her back. And then when she got there, they said, actually, we can't employ you anymore. because we're, we're So anyway, so she's stuck. And she said, I haven't seen my friends since March. I haven't been able to be with my friends since March. This is hard. And for a girl, this is really, really difficult. They can't do what we're doing now. I tell people, we've been back for a couple of weeks in church, people in Melbourne, and they, they go, what? Uh, in fact... Let me just acknowledge Pastor Phil Hills, who's watching right now, who was going to be here today, on this day, Thanksgiving Sunday. He is an annual visitor to our church, as he has been for the last 25 years. And this was to be the day that he was going to be here. He and Barbara send their greetings, and they wanted to express their love for you as a church and to give thanks as well to God. And he cited Revelation 21.6, which talks about a new beginning. A new beginning for our church. And so, but the buzz thing at the time of the writing of the New Testament around the time of Christ was the kingdom of God. It was the most relevant topic. Everyone was talking about it. When John the Baptist comes on the scene, the very first sermon, the very first thing out of his mouth is repent for the kingdom of God is near. All Jews were talking about it. Why were they talking about it? Because they had this concept that the kingdom of God would be the thing where the Messiah would come with an army and kick those blooming Romans out. Bring on the kingdom. That's what they were longing for. So the very first sermon that Jesus preached was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So he was relevant. We read that and think, oh, that's just lovely religious talk. It wasn't. It was radical stuff. It could get you pinned to a cross if you weren't careful. The New Testament writers pick it up. So it's not like this was just a Jewish thing. In writing to Gentiles, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. 
So this transfer from darkness into the kingdom of God is by God alone. You don't earn it. You don't work it up. You don't, by effort, get into it. You don't get your act together to qualify for it. God does it miraculously. And as Diggory in The Magician's Nephew, which I referred to last time as well, when, when he said, why does Aslan, the, the Christ figure, why does Aslan make life so difficult? As we heard Joe say, life can be difficult. And Diggory says, why does Aslan make, if he made this world and this life, why does he make it so difficult? And someone says to Diggory, you know, Aslan strikes me as the type of lion that loves to help whenever he's asked. And all through the Chronicles of Narnia, we see people crying out to Aslan for help and he appears and he helps. The problem is that they didn't ask him enough. And so when life reaches that point when it's just all too hard and all too much, God's there to help. This is kingdom living. So now I want to talk about, I think, the most relevant thing in your world right now. And you're thinking, well, it wasn't necessarily the kingdom of God. No, let me tell you how the kingdom of God intersects with the most relevant thing in your life right now. The most relevant thing in your life right now, I'm going to use this word, but I need to explain it. The ethics of the kingdom of God. And the ethics of the kingdom of God has to do with how we interact with other people. That's what ethics is. You may have heard of the word morality. Morality is right and wrong. Ethics is good or bad. So you can be right, but it might not be good to be right at this time. Every husband knows that. Amen? Hello? Anyone listening? There are husbands nodding. I'm, I'm. So, interacting with other people, relationships. I could tell you stories, but I won't because I don't want to betray confidences of the number of people that, is, that are currently seeing me at the moment and to talk about the situation they are in and they are struggling with marriages, struggling with parent-child relationships, struggling with other significant relationships in their life. It can be a tough thing to navigate. And Jesus has given us a roadmap on how to do it well. So I think this is the most relevant thing you right now need to hear. We sometimes think Christianity is an event and if you're in a highly evangelistic church which we're not necessarily a highly evangelistic church because the church doesn't just exist to evangelize the church exists to make disciples and that means from those who aren't but it also means for those who are that becoming a Christian is not the only interaction you'll have with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is salvation. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're saved. It means that if you die now, you'll go to be with God in heaven for eternity and this is great news. And if you get why it's great news, you'll also get that it's not because of anything you've done, it's not because of how good you are, it's not because of who your parents are, it's not because of where you were born, it's because of his grace. He chose you, you didn't even deserve it and he chose you. This is wonderful. This is wonderful, but that's not our only interaction with the kingdom of God. Upon entering the kingdom of God, the believer, the believer begins to enjoy, beginnings to enjoy certain 
privileges. Let me tell you what those privileges are if you come into the kingdom of God. Number one, security. It was profound what Joe shared about his mate who said, what was it, I'm embarrassed to tell you, is that what he said? I'm embarrassed to tell you that what I want is just to feel someone accept me and to say, well done. The security of knowing that someone's there who will always be in your corner, who will always be there. If you're in the kingdom of God, the first benefit you have is security. Security. You are, and this is what the scripture says, you are secure. Get this, these are all Bible words. In God's unchanging, unconditional, unending love and acceptance. Now here's my challenge. You might think, oh yeah, that's all right for you. But you don't know what I've done or you don't know what I'm doing and I don't really care because I know this, that while we were yet sinners, God commended his love toward us. Romans 5.8 you, you don't become a Christian so that God can love you. God loved you and God loves you. And if you don't do anything so that God loves you, you can't do anything so that he won't love you. I'm amazed that you can stay seated and not drop to your knees right now and just lift your hands in the air and go, that is awesome. Because that's how much God loves us. And that security that it's coming from God, if God loves you, really, that's all you need. But here's the great news. He often uses people as his hands and feet. That's why it's difficult for us as a church right now. Because we can't legally hug and we can't legally handshake. We can elbow butt, but if you do it too hard, that bloomin' hurts. So therefore, the scripture says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You put this in the first century context, kingdoms Rome the Romans were conquering kingdoms before breakfast it was kingdoms come kingdoms go kingdoms come kingdoms go the Romans were just conquering and here the New Testament says but we're in a kingdom that'll never be conquered no one will ever take it over no one ever 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 remove God as the king a kingdom that cannot be shaken thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe that's why we worship differently we don't worship like a nightclub we don't do that. It is different. We're not meant to be the same. We're meant to be different. We worship different. Here's the second benefit of being in the kingdom of God. And this is awesome. We pray for our kids. We pray at, and praying at the moment for Ruby to one day get married and so you know at dinners we say say grace I will often pray for her husband wherever he might be and I think Ruby has said um, dad you didn't pray that he'd be rich is that is that right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you can see the priorities of my kids in that yep yep that's right yep pray that he'd be rich uh but here's the really cool thing about being adopted by God. He is unbelievably rich. And he adopts you as his child. And not only that, he says, oh, by the way, you can have the inheritance now. 
Now, Sophie, what would you do with 757 cadillion dollars? No idea. Well, you don't deserve it. Give it to me then. <laughs> but our God is unbelievably rich. And you might think, if you're just thinking dollars and cents, then you don't get what's more valuable than dollars and cents. That's like nothing. It's like the guy who died went to heaven and had a bag. And St. Peter, this is not good theology, by the way. St. Peter said to him, why did you bring a bag? He said, oh, and he opens up and St. Peter said, Gold bars? Why would you bring gold bars into heaven? He said, well, you know, I, I, I want to... I want, I want. No, Peter said, no, you don't understand. Why would you bring paving stones into heaven? Heaven paved with streets of gold, it says in Revelation. In other words, the things that we think are valuable in this life compared to what God has to offer us, unbelievable. You are adopted by God, the Father. You become his son or his daughter. <laughs> And you become a joint heir with Christ and that inheritance is available right now. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. This is amazing. That's all we have time for tonight. For a CD copy or a premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select The Kingdom of God, Part 4, from our online store. As we've heard tonight, living in the Kingdom of God is not about being religious. For our relationships to become meaningful and happy, we must apply Christ's kingdom principles, learning to see the good in others rather than focusing on the negatives. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.